0: Function granular kernel address space layout randomization. Welcome to Midcast, the podcast by the
1: Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Feeling old? I'm Joe. Still compiling my greetings line. I'm Norbert.
2: Just short of ambulatory. I'm Josh.
1: I'm Clayton, just an end-user of Linux. This is episode
0: 376, recorded on Sunday, the 12th of December. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly mintcast.org. First up in the news, Linux Mint Monthly News, Europe embraces open source, Debian has browser issues, Fedora goes all in on Wayland, Firefox helps you fight spam, and the Linux kernel gets rusty. In security, Ubuntu kernel security patches, FGKASLR, gets close to mainline, data stealing malware hides on Linux servers, GoDaddy data breach. Then in our wanderings, I do some 3D printing, Josh got a new monitor, Norbert switches OS's, and we learn a little bit about the new guy, Clayton. First up in the news, we have the Linux Mint blog for November. The Mint team is focused on the 20.3 release, with plans to release in December. It's currently being beta tested. Mate 1.26 and Flatpak 1.12 were backported. In the X-Apps, the PDF reader received proper manga support. The image viewer received the ability to quickly fit to the width or the height of the displayed picture. And many of the apps received improvements for small display resolutions and dark mode support. Cinnamon 5.2 features multi-calendar events. Events you create in your calendars will appear in your calendar applet. Sticky Notes and Hypnotics will feature a search function. Now that's nice. There is a brand new app in 20.3 called Thingy, which is an X app that can be used as a one-stop place to quickly access recent and favorite documents.
2: Oh, well, looking forward to that for sure.
0: Yeah, the calendar thing is kind of cool. And then the whole being able to search hypnotics instead of having to hunt and
1: peck your way through it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a blessing right there. That That's a little painful right now, how the way it is.
1: And Leo uh, just sent a heads up for us uh, an hour ago that B uh, beta ISOs were actually approved for this, So it's available in beta now? Uh, I don't know. So they might be even out by the time the episode goes up.
0: The European Commission will make its software solutions open source for public benefit. It's, this is from its ItsFoss. In other words, anything that the EU uses for its internal work will be made open source. The Commissioner for Budget and Administration, Johannes Hahn, shared a statement regarding the benefits of open source in the press release. He said, open source offers great advantages in a domain where the EU can have a leading role. The new rules will increase transparency and help the Commission, as well as citizens, companies, and public services across Europe benefit from open source software development. Pooling of efforts to improve the software and the co-creation of new features lowers costs for the society as we also benefit from the improvements made by other developers." This can also enhance security as external and independent specialists check software for bugs and security flaws. Now, this is the way open source should be done. If you're going to do something, make a change downstream, you make it available upstream. Even if it doesn't become popular, it's still there and available for other people to use. That's the way it should be.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And especially after the news a couple of weeks ago about uh, a German state going all open source. This is what make me have such a positive outlook, because, in part because I'm European, but I think this will be beneficial for the entire world in the long run.
2: Yeah, anytime we can get a win for open source software, that works for me. Always better than proprietary.
0: The sad state of web browser support currently within Debian. This is from Pharonix. All of the Debian shipped browsers, Chromium, Firefox, ESR, Falcon, etc., are having severe open security issues which the package maintainers apparently are not able to fix easily. Chromium is still at version 90, which means it contains tons of security issues. And the Debian Wiki recommends switching to a different browser. The last update of Firefox ESR in Debian stable has been version 78.15.0. This version also has quite a few unpatched security issues. And the 78 ESR branch is not maintained by Mozilla anymore. They need to update to the 91 ESR branch, which apparently causes big problems in the current stable Debian platform. In an issue, people complain about freezing browser sessions with the 91 release, which blocks the new Firefox ESR release from being pushed to stable security. Mozilla Thunderbird is affected by this as well, by the way.
1: Now, if it had been one or two years since the latest Debian stable release, I would say this can happen. But it's only been four months since uh, Bullseye was released. And usually after a stable version is released, it will no longer receive feature updates. So is Debian Bullseye going to uh, be stuck with Firefox 78 for the next one or two years?
2: I don't know. I know on LMDE they're not tracking Firefox ESR. They're going with the uh, standard Firefox and it's probably related to uh, this kind of issue.
1: I just did a quick search on uh, the Debian packages site, and uh, even in Bookworm, which is the current testing version, it's still on uh, 7.8.14, so it's the same as uh, Stable release. But uh, Unstable already has 91, so I think testing should receive that soon. And because of that, I'm actually using, uh, on Debian testing, the Flatpak version of Firefox, because even on testing, it's not as uh, fast-moving as I would like it to be.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, there's at least one optional avenue you could go with the Flatpak
1: even if they tried uh, updating Firefox on uh, Debian Stable, the libraries that come uh, with Debian Stable are too outdated for that to properly work.
2: Right, which is where the bundled dependencies in the Flatpak would really help out. So Flatpaks or AppImage, either one.
1: I'm not sure if AppImage would work because that still doesn't uh, come with its own runtimes.
2: No, that's true
1: okay
0: moving on fedora 36 planning to run wayland by default with nvidia's proprietary driver and this is from pharonix while all of the software components are out there now for being able to run nvidia's proprietary driver stack with modern gbm based wayland compositors by default including x wayland support fedora workstation currently defaults to an xorg session when using this driver However, for Fedora 36 next spring, they are planning on using the Wayland desktop here too. Thanks to NVIDIA 495 series driver introducing GBM support and other improvements made to accelerate XWayland, wayland etc., running NVIDIA's proprietary driver stack for daily Wayland-based desktop use is becoming viable. Now, in, I'm just going to say that we've been watching wayland become viable as a daily use thing for a decade now
1: but in the past year it kind of accelerated i would say
0: yeah i kind of did that you know a couple of years back and a couple of years back and a couple of
1: years back or i should rather say not accelerated but pushed because if you don't push it so that people would actually use it then it will never be a thing because if you're always just waiting for it to become viable But if nobody uses it, everyone's just, everyone's just waiting that it never be reliable.
0: Yeah, I know. I understand, you know, Fedora manually making it so that everybody uses, um, Wayland by default. And then if they want to use X, then they have to do other things. They're not the first people to actually try it. I think that was, um, Ubuntu a couple of years ago, but, um, Everybody just ends up going back to x to to x eleven specifically because for the same reason everybody wants to get rid of x11 it's old and there's just been so much tacked onto it and added to it and there's so many features and so many different things that you can do with it. Do I agree that we need to switch to Wayland eventually? Yes, do I see it happening tomorrow probably not
2: we'll see what happens I think uh, Ubuntu twenty one ten actually features uh, Wayland out of the box. So if they stick with it with the LTS, I imagine that's going to be a big push for Wayland support going forward.
0: Well, when do you think um, Mint might look into something like that?
2: I did see a user ask Clem about that, and he's basically sitting the fence saying they're monitoring the situation. So I don't think there's been any commitment yet, but uh, I guess we'll see when they move over to that uh, 22.04 base. That'll, uh, yeah, that might be something that can help him determine.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving along. Firefox relay is now out of beta and adds new premium plan to help protect your real email address. Firefox relay is an email alias service that helps hide your real email address and take control of your inbox. For a while, it was in the beta phase with limited access to features. Now, as per the official announcement, it is available for all users out of beta and introduces a premium plan to unlock all features. An email alias is just another email address, mostly temporary, that forwards all the emails received to your actual email box. Thanks to aliases, you can protect your real email address and manage spam effectively. You can also use email aliases to reply without revealing your real email address.
2: It's interesting because DuckDuckGo is actually doing the same thing right now. I'm actually, uh, I just got the beta invites to get a Duck.com address. So uh, I haven't had a chance to use it yet, but it does seem, uh, you know, good for privacy.
1: This is something that people have been using uh, various uh, obscure the services and websites for like generating uh, temporary email addresses,
0: temporary email addresses, temporary phone numbers, things like that. No, I, I really see the, the, the usefulness of this specifically um, in finding out who's selling your data to who. So you create a bunch of not fake, but you know, forwarded emails that aren't your actual email. And then you only use it on one site and then, Whoever sends emails to that site, guess what? Now you know who's selling your information
3: to who.
2: That's a good point. Yeah, it'll make it a little easier to parse out that information.
3: You don't want any of those uh, extended warranties, right?
0: No. I I want to stop receiving phone calls about extended warranties. Or selling my house.
3: I just started getting them on on my Magic Jack lately.
0: or, or, Or selling the house that I don't own in El Paso. Or, you know, the car that hasn't had a warranty in 20 years. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. Well, all my vehicles are uh, 160,000 miles or more, and I've never bought them from a dealership. So there was no extended warranty. And I'm a mechanic and I have toolbox, all right? There's the warranty.
0: Yeah. Or Or, how my Windows isn't updating properly, so I need to give them full access to my computer and my bank account and
3: my Windows isn't working My name I haven't installed it yet
2: now if they can use it to stop those uh pesky uh advertisements you get in the snail mail, that'd be nice
1: I have a funny I have a funny story about spam calls uh my phone number that I'm using is my second ever phone number, and I've been using it for twelve years. But I was in school when I got this phone number, and I actually got it from a, a family member, so it was uh, I inherited the phone number, and even to this day, I get maybe one or two uh, advertisement calls to this number that is looking for the that is looking for the other family member that I got this number for. Two calls a year isn't is fairly manageable. I would say isn't that annoying because I don't really want to change my number because everyone that I knows my number knows this number. So I guess I have to deal with two. Uh, I mean, two calls that uh, are specifically looking for the other person. I also get some that is uh, for me, but
0: I'd hate to be the person that got my phone number when I was done with it. I've been I've been using the same cell phone number for twenty years, and I've been using the same Google Voice number since Google Voice started being free for everyone, even while it was in beta. So,
3: yeah, I was offered a free phone. Uh, If I just changed my number Well, the phone number they gave me was a deadbeat that didn't pay his bills and uh, I got rid of that number real quick and (laughs) went to mint mobile Gave up on uh, T-Mobile
0: Well, I've had T-Mobile for 20 plus years, so Yeah all right, moving along. Updated Rust code for Linux kernel patches posted. This is also from Forotics. In 2022, we will very likely see the experimental Rust programming language support within the Linux kernel mainline. Patches introducing the initial support and infrastructure around Rust within the kernel have already been sent out. Norbert, I'm going to start making you read these. I know you wrote it. I'm going to make you read uh, them.
1: I, I just copied them, some of them from the sites, and I... Did, the uh, trim some of the sentences, so it would have been even worse if there, it was the original sentences. I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, reading the entire news section. That would give me some good English practice.
0: I'll let you do the security section coming up. How about that?
1: Oh, no, I'm not, not I'm not big on security. I mean, I could read it, but I'm not big on security updates.
0: Okay. Red Hat is also now joining ARM, Google, and Microsoft in voicing their support for Rust code within the Linux kernel. Rust for the Linux kernel. Remains of increasing interest to developers over security concerns with rust affording more memory safety protections, potentially lowering the barrier to contributing to the kernel and other related benefits.
1: This is interesting because uh, I hear a lot of people say how rust is very rust is a very security focused language, but I guess if uh, so many companies uh, are focusing on it then then I guess it does make a difference in terms of security. Also, let's not forget that uh, System76 is going to uh, right there on desktop the in Rust, partially in Rust.
0: All right, uh, moving along to the security update. New Ubuntu Linux kernel security patches for six vulnerabilities from Linux today. Coming three weeks after the previous security updates, which addressed 13 vulnerabilities, the new Linux kernel security patches are available for Ubuntu 21.10 through 14.04. For all supported Ubuntu releases, the new security updates fix CVE 2021 3744 and 2021-3764, uh, two security issues discovered in Linux Kernel's AMD cryptographic coprocessor driver, which would allow a local attacker to cause a denial of service through memory exhaustion. FGKASLR appears closer to mainline for improving Linux security from Pharonix.
1: Well, I just keep getting surprised how Ubuntu twenty uh, Ubuntu fourteen oh four is still uh, being supported. But then I remember that in some places in the world, uh, people are even running uh, XP to this day. So,
0: well, you can probably find a machine out there running Windows ninety eight if you really wanted to.
1: Yeah, and if and it's probably a very uh, crucial part of some company's infrastructure somewhere. <laughs> oh.
0: uh, but yeah, fourteen oh four getting updates is a little odd. Now, FGKASLR appears closer to mainline for improving Linux security. Function Granular Kernel Address Space Layout Randomization is making it more difficult to predict kernel address positions for attacks over standard KASLR. While KASLR helps make memory addresses less predictable, once an attacker determines the base address, it's not as effective. FGKASLR applies function reordering on top of KASLR. The functions are reordered at boot time and thus much harder for attacks relying on known kernel memory locations. Norbert, I swear. I, I swear. No,
1: in my defense, I, I wasn't the one at did it is. Sorry, that was me. Okay,
2: <laughs> yeah uh
1: but hey, hey, I
3: knocked that out of the park.
2: you did you did excellent on that one, Joe. I'm impressed.
3: I wanted to say it ten times fast
2: mm right, but it sounds like um, is this similar maybe to Specter or you know where they're having problems with memory locations leaking other programs being able to access that um information within memory i I don't know.
0: It sounds like it, Um, by further randomizing the location, it would be more difficult for you to piece together what's going on in memory, I would assume.
1: Does something like this affect performance? Um,
0: It would probably have a bit of overhead, would be my guess, but uh, probably not anything too exceptionally bad. And for, you know, the first fix and this fix here, it, it. From what I understand, most of it requires, you know, physical access to be able to do something and I'm not going to worry about somebody walking into my house and messing with my computer. Now, from a business perspective, you know, major server or something like that, most of those can afford a little bit of overhead. Yeah, it sucks, but you still need those mitigations.
2: Right, it's probably a worthy trade-off for that fraction of a percentage of a performance hit in order to get the security.
1: Yeah, I guess it's something like uh, what they say about uh, full disk encryption, that it's uh, it might not even be noticeable on a modern system.
0: Okay, moving along. New payment data-stealing malware hides in Nginx process on Linux servers. This is from The Hacker News. E-commerce platforms in the U.S., Germany, and France have come under attack from a new form of malware that targets NGINX servers in an attempt to masquerade its presence and slip past detection by security solution. Rat, as the advanced malware is called, works by hijacking a host NGINX application to embed itself into the web server process. The remote access Trojan itself is delivered via CronRat another piece of malware that hides malicious payloads in Cron jobs scheduled to execute on February 31st on a non-existent calendar day both CronRat and engine rat are Designed to provide a remote way into the compromised servers in order to make server-side modifications to the compromised e-commerce websites in a manner that enabled the adversaries to exfiltrate data by skimming online payment platforms.
2: Yeah, I thought maybe this was something you might be able to speak to a little bit, Joe. I don't know if this is something that you would possibly deal with. Uh,
0: Not really. I deal with money markets. I'll, i'll if we do see something that affects it i know that we had there was something going on with um red hat yesterday but i don't know all the details on that and i won't find out the details until tomorrow but um something like this no i if it has a major effect i'll hear the the scuttle about it but um i have not heard it yet
2: yeah hopefully it doesn't become too prevalent Hopefully. These Linux servers are probably getting banged on all the time, but uh, yeah, hopefully they'll hold up.
0: Okay, moving along. GoDaddy data breach from TechCrunch. GoDaddy said the unauthorized person used a compromised password to get access to GoDaddy's systems around September 6th. GoDaddy said it discovered the breach last week on November 17th. So a couple weeks ago now. It's not clear if the compromised password was protected with two-factor authentication. The company said that active customers had their SFTP credentials for file transfers and the username and passwords for their WordPress databases, which store all the users' content, exposed in the breach. In some cases, the customer's SSL private keys was exposed, which if abused could allow an attacker to impersonate a customer's website or services.
2: Yeah, this one's a little bit further back now, but uh, it's been revealed that I think it affected something like one and a half million users, so this was definitely not uh, tiny in scope.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad we don't sell anything, because we do have a WordPress. I don't think we use GoDaddy.
2: I think that's a smart move. I haven't heard a whole lot of positive on GoDaddy.
0: Okay, that is it for the security update. Now... Off to the bi-weekly wanderings. First up in our bi-weekly wanderings, um, I've done a bunch of 3D printing. Uh, I 3D printed a watch stand for my grandpa's watch that I got when he passed. Um, I may never wear my grandpa's watch, but I do appreciate that I have something of his. Uh, the stand showcases the watch very well, and it'll help me prevent my children from moving it around. Um, I like the watch. It's a lovely gold watch. It uh, actually is solar-powered, or light-powered. And um, I 3D printed the stand for it, and it's going to go up on my mantle once all the Christmas stuff comes down from the mantle. Um, I, Since I got a thicker... Um, Case for my phone It's a wallet case. Um, It's too wide to fit in most stands. So I had to Modify someone else's design for a phone stand and then um, Print that out. So I have you know a stand that's big enough For my phone with the case on I am going to have to um, design and 3d print another one that actually has a Slot for a USB port and then I will run the USB port through and glue it into place So that I have a charging stand that works with my phone. So that way, you know, when I go to bed all I got to do is plop it right on there and Go to sleep but um, other than that I also 3D printed a mini screwdriver that uses standard size bits. It allows me to get into, you know, narrower places with a screwdriver. And I'll show that on camera real quick. That's all it is. It's super tiny and, you know, you put the bit right there and makes it super easy to get into tight places. Um, I'm also going to be printing out an adapter to use the smaller size bits that I have I think they're four millimeter bits and then the adapter will go into this and Then I'll be able to use the four millimeter bits as well as the standard size bits or I did see one um, That is actually a keychain that should work for the four millimeter bits Um, Also, I 3d printed a stand for my pliers Because they were starting to take over and the other stand that I have uh, is full. And so I just got this printed out not too long ago, like yesterday-ish. And yes, it's still made out of the uh, -the glow-in-the-dark stuff. I don't know how that spool just keeps lasting and lasting. I keep printing out all these huge things and it just won't go away. So... Yeah, that's my new pliers stand, and I might have to print out a second one if I get any more pliers. yeah, I tend to have a lot. And that's been my 3D printing fun. Um, I've also been doing a lot of watching the crypto market. It's really been all over this place last month, but mostly down, like super a lot down. Um, I'm keeping my eye on it because it's fun, but frustrating. Uh, but no real worries. This happens almost every December for tax purposes so that people can lock in the amount of money that they've earned so that they can calculate the amount of taxes that they owe. I mean, it's understandable to me. Um, if you've been debating getting into crypto now might be a good time to do that. Um, whoa, did I lose my connection? Are you guys there?
1: Well, crap. Meanwhile, at the other end of Discord. Is the audio bad on, at my end, or is it for bad for everyone?
2: Right, he did say he had internet issues, and it was down earlier today. Yeah, we'll have to see if he can recover here.
1: Two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> for
2: Don't the moment, this is actually him. a first since... Uh, Since I've been on, so I don't know. We don't exactly have a procedure in place (laughs) as far as I Right, right. So I'm just waiting for the veteran to come back and let us know uh, how we should proceed.
3: Yeah, I used to have dial-up back in the day, you know, PBS's and stuff. Kids would pick up the phone while you're downloading something. Uh, Made my day really bad. I've been waiting two hours. Sorry about that. I guess my internet cut out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it started going a little haywire when you started talking about printing your uh, adapter for the 4mm. Was your audacity still...
0: Yeah, yeah, my audacity is still running. It's It was an internet connection problem. I've been having them all day. All right. Um, if you've been debating getting into crypto, now might be a good time to put a little money in and see what happens. Just remember, crypto is never guaranteed and you shouldn't put in more than you're willing to lose. Oh, and I'm not a financial advisor, so take what I say with a grain of salt. But also, if you get in right now while things are low, be ready to sit on it for at least a couple of months while the market comes back. Um, After tax season, people will start putting more in again. I've been making several new recipes in my spare time. Yes, I'm talking about cooking. Uh, that are simple and zero sugar, not just for me, but my dad has a sweet tooth and he also has diabetes. So I'm hoping to try and get him to try these and see how he likes them. Problem is I can't tell him that they're low sugar recipes or he simply won't eat them. He will refuse. Um, so these recipes, a simple one is yogurt apple pie. It's actually a really delicious recipe. I might have some right after the show. Um, coffee protein bars. Uh, Might need to cut back a bit on the amount of coffee that's in them because, yeah, they will, you know, resurrect the dead. Um, Catfish stir fry. I love my catfish stir fry. Um, I'm working on a pumpkin pie oatmeal recipe that really still needs some work. And um, I, I make a very large peanut butter banana smoothie and it's like, sub 500 calories still but it's bigger than your head and yeah delicious I am working with others to to see if I would be a good match for the school board and that's also taking up a lot of my time so I've not had a lot of chance to do many projects and I think it's been kind of decided for me that I'm running for school board whether I really like the idea or not so fun. I'm also going to be taking a trip to Florida at the end of next week. And I'm working on getting all the stuff together that I need for that. Hopefully I'll be able to take a couple of projects with me. And I know I'm planning on packing some, um, SSD drives and my soldering iron. Cause I know there's already people in Florida that want me to fix their stuff. Um, <clears throat> The one more triple driver that I was talking about on the last show, turns out one of the drivers was blown. It wasn't a bad cable or anything. So I had to replace the driver completely. But I had a few lying around, so that wasn't an issue. So for now, I have one wired set, which always comes in handy. It's nice to have something that doesn't use a battery. Although I may convert it to MMCX and then convert the cable as well. Then I can use my other MMCX headphones on that. I did have some Linux fun. I pulled out that 7140. Um, in the past, when I was testing the 7140 and the 7130, I was using 32GB, 2260 SSDs. Um, I've been using the 7140 a bit more, and I've kind of given the 7130 to my wife because she needed a small device that was at least somewhat powerful, and I had already put a larger drive in that. Um, updates were filling up that tiny 32GB SSD. 2260s are not a very common drive though. So that makes them a little bit more expensive, but I did have some extra 2242s floating around and some length adapters from drives, but the length adapters that they did not work. Um, but uh, those drives were f- attempted to, I attempted to put them in the latitude uh, tablet and It's very particular on what drives it'll take So I ended up pulling the 32 gigabyte drive and I found a 128 gigabyte drive that had the correct pinout and tested that the system could see it um Like I said, I did not have the correct adapter to go from 2242 to 2260. So as a temporary solution, what I've done is I've used some thick double-sided tape that'll hold the drive at the correct height and in position. I do not recommend this as a solution to others because it's a little bit more difficult to undo. So if you want to change the hard drive again later, it will be a problem. Uh, Since it is a fresh install, I'm going to be doing some of some of the hopping of the distros. I started with an older version of Ubuntu Mate to put it through the update process, and that worked really well. Um, I still feel like Ubuntu Mate is a bit slow on it. Uh, What I dislike about Ubuntu Mate is that the settings for the touchpad are extremely finicky about whether or not they actually get implemented, but most especially especially the disable touchpad while typing feature. It's a very... tight space on that tablet and very easy to hit the touchpad and have it register as a touch. Um, The next thing I'm going to try on that is Kali Linux. And thanks to the delay, I've been going on way too long. Uh, Josh, what have you been up to?
2: Well, I've been dealing with an unknown health issue that involves my feet swelling up. So it's making it difficult to get around right now. It's uh, random and quite painful, but it generally subsides after a week or two. And although it's chronic, I'm happy it only happens to me a few times a year. Perhaps if I can ever get in at a doctor that has some availability, I can get it sorted out. But uh, that's easier said than done. On a lighter note, I bought a new monitor for the first time in over a decade to replace my reliable but dated Acer. X223W, which is a TN panel monitor. And I went with a Cooler Master, yes, that Cooler Master, uh, GM27CF. It's a 27 inch 1080p FreeSync display that advertises up to a 200 hertz refresh rate on a VA panel. And it also features a 1500R curve, which is noticeable, but not enough to qualify it as a feature that I'd pay for. So far, I'm really enjoying the extra size and the sharp contrast that VA panels are known for. It's been a really nice monitor, although I do believe this is Cooler Master's first foray into monitors, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, how well it stands the test of time. Hopefully, it'll be just as good as my old Acer was. I completed all my Christmas shopping for the family, so now it's all left to do is wrap everything and get the direct decorations out of the shed and set up. As much as I enjoy the holiday season, it's always a big relief to get everything done with some time to spare, and online shopping has been a huge benefit, especially with the pandemic lingering on. I wasn't looking forward to going out to the stores and shopping in person. I have a bunch of outdoor projects that I need to get done, but the cold, rainy weather has landed here, so I'm going to take a little time to rest up my feet and do some movie and show watching for now and play catch up once the sun comes back out. I'd also like to try and get some more time in on the bicycle and work on getting a healthy diet going again so I can shed a few pounds before spring arrives. Now, other than that I'm looking forward to the release of Mint 20.3. I may play around with the beta once I get my hands on it on the Ventoy drive but the early reports that I've seen are that it's already quite stable And, uh, very similar to 20.2 in regards to functionality, as we should expect, I guess. I definitely plan to upgrade once the stable release is made available, and, uh, hopefully that'll be sometime around Christmas. Every once in a while, Clem will throw us a bone and get it out the door a little early. So, that's basically what's been going in, or going on on my side. Norbert, how about you?
1: For me, this week uh, marks the beginning of the exam period at the university, so by the time I ended up having a stable working setup on my laptop for university work, the academic period ended. But since we moved to online classes for everything now, mainly using the likes of Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and these online classes uh, gave us a bit of a trouble for us uh, students, because uh, We ended up having to use a bunch of online services. For example, uh, some teachers would uh, require us to use Zoom. Others would use uh, Microsoft Teams. One of them even suggested Jitsi, which is a welcome surprise. And uh, the likes of Microsoft OneDrive, Google Drive and Google Classroom and not to mention Slack. I think there was an initiative to try to reduce the number of services we have to use. But uh, for now, we have to be signed up for three or four different uh, platforms for classes. And as I mentioned, I finally settled on a distro for my laptop. The middle of November marked my first year of using Linux full time, and I guess I'm still in my uh, distro hopping phase because because I've been trying out various systems on my laptop, and for a while I was uh, happy with uh, Endeavor OS and Arch, but then I kept encountering packages in the AUR that uh, I needed, but I would fail to install, because it was trying to pull a DAP file, but it, the link was just broken. So, I've been using Debian testing as my main system on my laptop for a couple of weeks now. And, uh, I did say that I ended up having, uh, three or four distros because I, because I wanted to avoid uh, cases when I would need a package and I wouldn't be able to get it. But after these weeks, I realized that I only ever use Debian. So I didn't really need any of the others. And even if I wanted to, I realized uh, having multiple distros just makes it inconvenient to do anything productive, so I just uh, decided to settle on Debian. Which is interesting, because over this past year, when I've been hopping from distro to distro, the one constant thing in my life, Linux-wise, was Debian. Because whatever this drive was on, I always kept Debian stable, virtual machine around. So I just decided to double down on that and uh, move to Debian full-time. And when I started using it, I realized that a lot of the packages I didn't expect to find in the Debian repos were actually there and maintained, so I think I underestimated package availability on Debian. I did look up the repo sizes, and it has over 30,000 packages, almost as many as Ubuntu, which is compared to OpenSUSE and Arch, which have somewhere in the 10,000s. It's just incredibly large. And I really started appreciating Debian more and more, especially after I realized that Debian testing is already on the latest kernel 5.15, which compared to how we talked about the browsers being out of date even on testing, was very surprising for me. So I started customizing and setting up my Debian system, and I did something that I wouldn't have expected me to do myself to do a couple of weeks ago, which is I moved from GNOME to XFCE on my laptop. Mainly because whenever I was in the Zoom call or a Discord call or any sort of conference call, it was just eat up my CPU and GNOME would start lagging, sometimes very badly. And in cases where I had to share my screen, it wasn't very pleasant to having to demonstrate something while your system is slow. So I decided to go to XFCE and I started to look for packages that I can use to make my XFCE experience better on the laptop, uh, similar to GNOME. And I found the package called unclutter xfixes, the latest version of which... uh, has a feature where it can hide the cursor when it uh, senses that I'm using the touchscreen. It's such a small detail, but it was one of my pet peeves about uh, the majority of desktops that were using Xorg, is that whenever I would be scrolling on the screen, maybe in a PDF, the cursor would keep following my finger, and not even be right beneath my finger, but just lag behind a little. But using Unclutter X fixes made it very seamless. I would say it even has a better response time at hiding the cursor than Gnome is on Xorg. And before moving to XFC, I moved from GNOME Wayland to GNOME XORG because uh, when I had to share my screen on Zoom, it only works on uh, GNOME and on specific whitelisted distros. So even though I really like Wayland, it's not viable for, for my university stuff. I found a rather interesting uh, package called LibInput Gestures, which can register three and four finger swipes on the touchpad and even pinching movements and translate those into key combinations. So what I did is I set three finger swipes to left and right to move between my workspaces and uh, it translates those to the key combinations, control alt left and right that I have on XFCE. So I think I managed to in- implement my most of my favorite uh, GNOME-specific features on Xfce, and I'm really happy with this desktop. And I'm even happier with Debian. Seems like the perfect distro was with me all along, I just didn't notice it. I also started getting back into learning Japanese this past week uh, through song lyrics, Japanese song lyrics, also trying to improve my Japanese reading that way. But because Japanese has hundreds and thousands of characters, some of them are very complicated, you can insert phonetic guides over the harder characters in a text to have the pronunciation. And I don't mean that uh, just making another line in the text in your text editor and inserting the characters there. A lot of text editors have support for, this is a specific feature called a phonetic guide where you can insert uh, phonetic characters above complicated characters and even when you copy the text it moves with them so it's not in a different line, it's uh, like uh, an accent above a character. For this back on Windows, I would just use the built-in phonetic guide uh, feature in Microsoft Word, but now I decided to try and do the same thing in LibreOffice Writer. And it was a pleasant surprise to find out that I didn't even need to install anything on top of LibreOffice, because on Microsoft Word, I had to download uh, the Japanese uh, language support for the system, and then I could enable that in Word. But on Linux, I think it was just a one click of enabling Japanese, and then I could uh, do this phonetic guides in Writer. Now the only thing I have to figure out for this is printing, because throughout this year of using Linux, I never really got around to try and figure out printing. Because on rare occasions when I would have to print, I would just use my phone, because having a printer on the network, it's way more convenient to just print a PDF from my phone that it is either from Windows or Linux. I think I tried setting up printing on Manjaro with CUPS, but uh, didn't really go anywhere with that, so I should try that again. And that's pretty much what I wanted to say. So we have a new host here with us today. So Clayton, tell us a little about yourself. Uh,
3: Well, I've been using computers since Commodore. Uh, My first computer that I used was a Texas Instrument 99A. Uh, It was a girlfriend of mine. And uh, she seen that I was interested and she uh, had one of her other girlfriends donate a Commodore 64 that her husband shattered, broke up, came in a box. So that's when I got into my first computer repairs.
0: That's how Uh, I like getting all of my computers completely broken.
3: Well, it was free too, Joe. Uh, My favorite price. That's the price I can afford. Uh, I got an operating system like that now too. But uh, yeah, we had to fix the Commodore up, uh, they smashed the keyboard, uh, we replaced that, found it at Radio Shack, couple capacitors in there. Uh, this drive wasn't too bad, I just had to put a bunch of, uh, rubber bands around the case that broke up. Uh, I think I know why the guy might have got upset because, uh, the printer was a graphic printer and it had a little bit of flash in between the wheels for the paper feed. And it would, uh, print and jam and just print over itself a couple times and it'd print fine. And then, uh, I think I know why he blew up at it. And, uh, when I found that, I was a little bit happier because I just scraped it off the wheel and it worked fine. So, yeah, I, I like cheap and free stuff. Uh, I, then I went to, uh, Amiga from Commodore and I did that for a while. And then I went to, uh, uh, I was in a users group. It's, uh, it was comp. It was, uh, computer owners of Marysville and Port Huron. And then they changed it after the Commodore because it used to be Commodore owners of Marysville and Port Huron. And then it went to computer operators of Marysville and Port Huron when we started letting the DOS and the Windows and the Apples in. And, uh, and then we went to Amiga as well. Um, but I got into Lennox in uh, about 2000. I was doing building services at a uh, a retail place, doing the floors at night. And there was a Linux uh, magazine book with the CDs in it and all that. And I picked it up. It was uh, Mandrake. Uh, I think it was. 7.6 and uh, don't quote me on that it was my my age, okay then I got a uh, what is it, Linux for Dummies and it had Red Hat uh, 8.0 in it and I had to try that I kept having problems with the hardware I had because back then we didn't have everything working perfectly with Linux so I actually bought a system from Lindos? Anybody remember Lindos?
0: Yeah, they have a different name now, but they're still around.
3: They're LinSpire now.
0: Yeah, LinSpire. Thank you.
3: Yeah, um, but I got them because I could get the computer, the hard drive and everything that worked together rather than finding everything that didn't work together. Problem is with their operating system, they wanted you to buy the free software. So that didn't last long. But I had a system that would run Linux and there was plenty on the internet. So I switched back over. So I read the first part backwards because uh I don't started out that way, I guess. Um actually this week I didn't do a whole lot. Um I I had to switch out my hard drive in the main system here. So I uh in, I was using a 250 gig uh Solid-state drive as a boot drive in the desktop That was about to max out. I only had five gig left. It was slowing down guys. It was really bad And I do have other drives in the system, but you can just throw so many files this way and that way and uh I decided to get a bigger SD. I got me uh, uh, I got me a, uh, 512 gig SSD and from my laptop. I, I bought it for the laptop because I was using that, planned on going to the church more often and recording services and stuff. And, uh, with COVID, uh, I didn't get to do that. I actually stopped going to church. I've been staying home, gaining weight. So I took that hard drive out of the, go ahead, Joe.
0: That seems like the popular thing to do, stay at home and gain weight.
3: Yeah, it's, I think it's hereditary though, but, uh, yeah. Uh, the bottom line is, is I wanted to swap the SSDs around because I use the desktop more often. So I pulled it out of the laptop, put it in the desktop, and I tried out, uh, Cinnamon, and, uh, I was going to use it for my daily driver, but I don't know cinnamon that well, so I went back to Mate. And I'm still going to have problems fighting with my printer, though. I have a, uh, a brother color printer. It's a HL-4040CN. As a color printer networked, I would like to get one that's double-sided because, uh, trying to tell Linux to print one side and then come back and print the other side it doesn't do it properly in every program anyway uh, that and I have problems with that particular driver for that system because it uses uh, CUPS 3.0 which has been updated that's why I stuck around with 19.3 for so long Um, didn't care for that and, uh, oh and then Chrome uh, I don't know why they're having fights between who's suppos- suppository yeah I'll say it. Uh, they come out of uh, you know Lenox Mint or Ubuntu when I just want Chrome to work I don't need to fight with people fighting whose snack pack's gonna hold it you know or flat pack So I went right straight to the website and downloaded that. I need my passwords to work. And I need my bookmarkers. Uh, Uh, when I installed the, uh, OS, because I was updating, I just did a new install on the new hard drive, because it was new, and then took my data, my personal files, and pass them over to the uh, new hard drive, and then put the old hard drive back for backup. So that part was easy, but uh, put my old hard drive or another SSD back into the laptop. It's a slightly smaller one, but uh, that was about it for my uh, week other than driving. Like I said, uh, I had a friend that gathered uh, food from the pantry and another friend that got um, bumped off his food stamps just before Thanksgiving, so I ran food for who I could, you know. That's, that's it.
0: On to announcements. Our next episode will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, the 26th of December. We do have a link to convert that to your time zone in the show notes. And our next live stream will be next Saturday, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on the 18th of December. Hopefully. Um, And you also have a link to convert that to your time zone. Now, I will say that with the 18th and the 26th both... This is the holiday season, so things can change. Availability may change. Um, Currently, I think I'm the only one set up to stream on the 18th, and I'm hoping I'm not driving on the 18th to Florida. I might wait till the 19th to drive to Florida or the 20th, but um, hopefully it won't be a problem. And now on to wrap up. Uh, for myself, you can catch me in a couple other podcasts. I'm at tllts.org That's the Linux Link Tech Show. Um, also, I'm on the Linux Lugcast. You can find that at linuxlugcast.com. Um, we should be recording this upcoming Friday again. If you want to join us there, the information should be on the website. Um, you can catch me on MeWe, or you can send me an email directly, jb at mincast.org, and I also have a coffee link if you want to check the show notes for that.
1: Norbert, where can we find you? You can send me an email at norbert at mincast.org. And lately I've been more active in our Telegram group, so you can also find me there.
0: Yep, it's a very active Telegram group. I highly recommend it for everybody. Sadly, at 2 a.m., when it's really jumping in there, I have to. Silence it so
3: I can do
0: that crazy thing where I sleep.
3: Yeah, I'm muted too. That Londoner just gets up too early.
0: I don't think he sleeps either. All right. And the other, other, other Josh, where can we find you?
2: You can send me an email at jt at mintcast.org. Find me at Josh Thacker on Discord and at metal underscore Foss on Twitter.
0: Okay. And Nishant was not able to join us this week. He should hopefully be back on either the next show or in the new year um but if you want you can send nishant an email nishant at minkcast.org you can catch him on instagram at rycon ghost or rycon ghost at github ghost.rycon on discord and maverick 00783 on steam
3: and clayton where can we find you uh, I have nothing to share there, Joe. I don't want any extra emails. I got everybody having a Black Friday sale going on. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. Okay. Um, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make MinkCast possible. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website, Hobstar for our logo, and it RD for the animated Discord logo, and Londoner for our time sync. Pipemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our backup Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. And the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Thanks Clown. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at Mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The
1: You already see the title of this episode be being something having to do with tongue twisters.
4: Hey, folks it's that time of year again time for the hacker public radio 24 hours new year's eve show we encourage everyone to join us for stimulating conversation and maybe send a happy new year's greeting to the hbr community we plan on starting at 10 a.m utc december 31st also known as 5 a.m eastern standard time and we will keep the recording going until 12 a.m utc january 1st also known as 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, unless people are still on and talking. To join us, all you have to do is install Mumble. It is available on all platforms, including iOS and Android. Then, just create a nick, and go to hackerpublicradio.org for the server details. Connect, join the Hacker Public Radio room, and you're there. If you can't join us in Mumble, but would like to hear the show live, we will have a stream up, so you can listen. You can go to hackerpublicradio.org for the server details of the stream. So come on and join us. It's always a good time.